Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Ezekiel chapter 8. In the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, the hand of the Lord Yahweh fell upon me there. Then I looked, and behold, a form that had the appearance of a man. Below what appeared to be his waist was fire, and above his waist was something like the appearance of brightness, like gleaming metal. He put out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north. Where was the seat of the image of jealousy which provokes to jealousy? And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there like the vision that I saw in the valley. Then he said to me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes toward the north, and behold, north of the altar gate, in the entrance, was the image of jealousy. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? the great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary? But you will see still greater abominations. And he brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, Son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall, and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the vile abominations that they are committing here. And so I went in and saw, And there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel. And before them stood seventy men of the elders of the house of Israel, with Jezaniah the son of Shaphan standing among them. Each had his censer in his hand, and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, Yahweh does not see us, Yahweh has forsaken the land. He said also to me, You will see still greater abominations that they commit. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of Yahweh, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the house of Yahweh, And behold, the entrance of the temple of Yahweh between the porch and the altar were about twenty-five men, with their backs to the temple of Yahweh and their faces toward the east, worshipping the sun toward the east. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations that they commit here, that they should fill the land with violence and provoke me still further to anger? Behold, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore I will act in wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity, and though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. This is the word of the Lord. We've been seeing in the last few chapters the idea that God is going to bring his judgment upon the people of Judah. Now in this chapter we are getting an explanation in part of why. Like, why is God judging them? What have they done wrong? And so we'll unpack that today. Now, time-wise, chronologically, again, the details of the timeline have not been all that present in between chapter 1 and this now chapter 8, but we do have an update. So we are, we're 14 months in after that opening vision that Ezekiel had in 593. 
So some time has passed. Um, they're on a lunar calendar, so it doesn't match exactly um, with our own calendar system that we use today. Um, but roughly a 30-day month, they had to have entire leap months some years to make the season stay um, where the seasons ought to stay. Um, so you've got that, that time that has passed, a, a rough accounting for that time. That would mean if we had a leap month in here, I guess that might be 15 months that have passed, um, but that gives you the timing for those 430 days that we read about in chapter 3 to have occurred of Ezekiel laying on his side. 14 months of 30 days would be 420. So having that leap month in there, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they had the leap month like 11 times in a series of 17 years or something like that. So just like our calendar calculations today can be quite befuddling, theirs weren't a lot different from my understanding. Anyway, so here we have, again, some time has passed, the people, the exiled people in Babylon seem to have some sort of appreciation for Ezekiel, right? They're sitting before him. The elders, the leaders of the people are with Ezekiel. They're waiting. They're waiting for the word of the Lord to come to him. That would be a sign of faith and repentance at least among those already in exile. Now, the fact that he's sitting in his house is noteworthy, right? This is something to learn about their time in exile. And you can read Jeremiah 29 to learn more about this. God actually instructs them in this exile to build homes, to plant vineyards, to have their children get married and have children. Right? They're to continue on. The Lord will bless them. The, world, the Lord will work for them and through them, and he will eventually restore them to their own land after 70 years. So that's Jeremiah 29, very fitting um, to what we just saw there of Ezekiel, the priest and prophet, having a house in Babylon. Well, he's been there, right? Six years, so he's got a house. Now, at this point, he has another vision. Yahweh comes upon him, the form that had the appearance of a man. This will bring us back to chapter 1. Uh, you can ask your kids about that kind of as a follow-up question, a comprehension question here. Did who, who appeared like this in chapter 1? It was verses 26 and 27, if you need the hint. Who is this that appears and looks like fire? both below the waist and above, although gleaming metal fire kind of above. It's a little different appearance. This is God himself. Or, perhaps you might even say this is Jesus himself. This Jesus is God, um, and this is God making himself known. He's revealing himself to Ezekiel. Ezekiel sees him, and... God puts out the form of a hand and picks him up. And this sounds like the, the bully in the schoolyard or the, the big sister picking on the little sister, grabbing them by the, the hair, right? By the lock of his head. This is a penalty even in the NFL. 
um, I think. They keep changing that rule. Anyway, um, he takes him up. The spirit takes him up between earth and heaven. That's uh, the sky. And he brings him to Jerusalem. And he shows him what's happening there. We are going to get now a series of four visions, of uh, not visions, a series of four abominations that are being committed by the people of Judah against God himself. So the first one, Ezekiel is brought to the entrance of the gate of the inner court that faces to the north. So the, the temple consists of an inner court and an outer court, and there are gates on multiple sides, and so as you're, as you're moving, you're transitioning from the outer court to the inner court, there is a northern gate. This is also uh, where the king would come in because the king's palace is off to the north of the temple um, in Jerusalem. That inner court is where you would find the temple. So as you come into that inner court, you would be outside the temple still at this point. And what does he see there? Well, he sees two things, right? He sees the image of jealousy. That would be an idol, one of the idols that they worship. And he also sees the glory of Yahweh. Remember, the temple is Yahweh's house in the midst of his people, where he has promised he will put his name upon them, where he has promised he will dwell with them and speak to them. So what does he see? He sees, he sees their worship of this idol. Verse 6, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations the house of Israel are committing here that they drive me far from my sanctuary. Sanctuary, holy place. They are driving God from his place of holiness. They are casting him out with their idol worship. The phrase, you will see still greater abominations, repeats at the end of each of the next two paragraphs as well. So there are three still greaters, and then there's the fourth. In those final verses of the chapter today. Now, as we look at these, let's keep the movement going. So we come from the north gate of the inner court, and then we come into the, the entrance of the court. So we're in that inner court, and there's a hole in the wall. That's a hole in the wall of the temple. This is leading to the temple itself. God encourages Ezekiel to dig, and he does, and he finds it enters into a wider room. This would be uh, one of the chambers. As Solomon built the temple, he built the holy place and the most holy place as the tabernacle had, but he built around them a series of chambers on each of the levels because Solomon's temple was not just one floor. And so this is Ezekiel coming into one of those chambers, and we're never specifically told what happened in those chambers. Um, they were used to house some people. We do see that. Um, in the Old Testament. Oh, I think that's the prophet Jeremiah that mentions that at one point in his writings. Then you get the idea that they might have used those rooms for storing various things that are needed for the, the temple. Um, for example, the, the things that they would burn on the incense altar. That could be something. They might have used those rooms to, to clean uh, some of the, the things that are used in the service of the Lord in his house. So it's hard to say exactly what's going on in each of those rooms, but what's going on in this one we know. 
right? Here's the picture that God gives of this chamber room. See the vile abominations they are committing here. Every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel on, on the wall all around engraved. They have taken the time to engrave their own false idols and images into the walls of one of the inner rooms of the temple, one of these chamber rooms. They are worshiping these false gods, and they do so aside from the temple, right? This is one of the darkened side rooms, so it's not visible from the Holy of Holies. It's not visible to the Ark, which would have been God's throne. They think they can get away with doing this. Yahweh does not see us. Yahweh has forsaken the land. And these things are not true. The Lord does see. And the Lord is... Well, the Lord seeks to care for his people, but again, they have cast him off. So still greater. What's the third? He then brings Ezekiel to the north gate of the house of Yahweh. So now we are entering into the temple itself. And what, what does he see? Women weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz being a false god. And so these, these women are, are, in a sense, having a ritual to a dead god. A non-living god. Named here specifically. I'm not sure how much we know about Tammuz. But just false worship again. Still greater. What's the fourth one? Ezekiel is brought into the inner court of the house of Yahweh. So now you're coming into the holy place itself. You're entering. And so he sees between the porch and the altar. So the altar, that's the incense altar inside the temple. And the porch would be the, like the, the doorway, the entryway. Standing there are 25 men. Their backs facing Yahweh. So the temple opens to the east. And so these guys are standing with their backs to the west because their faces are to the east. As you go in east to west into the temple, you would come into the holy place. You would move past the incense altar into the most holy place where the ark would sit. So their backs are literally to Yahweh's presence and their commits, their community. And their faces... Even though they're standing in Yahweh's temple, their faces are to the east, and they're worshiping the sun. They're worshiping a false god yet again. God's response to that is actually interesting. It's verse 17. Have you seen this, O son of man? So now you've seen the four abominations. You've seen how their false worship sits right here in my own house. Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations that they commit here? So is this not bad enough that they should fill the land with violence and provoke me still further to anger? As though this weren't bad enough, here they do more. They've utterly rejected God. They have worshipped their own false idols instead. And on top of that, they are violent. So, the destruction upon Israel coming, the destruction upon Judah and Jerusalem coming. We read about that the last couple of days, and this is why. Therefore, I will act in wrath. 
And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. The judgment is declared. It is final. God will do this thing. That point does come, right? Even for us in the future, when the last day comes, God's declaration of judgment at that time will be final. Whether it's in our favor or not, um, it will be final. That moment comes to all people. That moment has come upon Judah here in the text. I don't know what the phrase means, they put the branch to their nose. It appears to carry that idea of offense, like in today's culture, in our society, the, you know, there are negative gestures that you can make towards others, from as simple as rolling your eyes or sticking your tongue out, to the more offensive, uh, the things like um, well, flipping someone off, it'd be an example of that. So what exactly this is, I don't know, but that seems to be the connotation that surrounds it just from the context here provided. The thing that I would encourage you to talk about with your children today picks up on these four abominations. As these things don't belong in Yahweh's temple. What things don't belong in our church? So think of the place where you go to worship the Lord, where you go to hear his word, to receive his gifts through sacrament, the Lord's Supper, baptism, absolution. What things don't belong there? That could lead into a really interesting conversation, um, a good conversation to have together as you think about the holiness of our Lord and you think about the holiness of what is his house and how we treat that with respect as we gather together as his people.